traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Richard! Richard! Oh, are we on? Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. So let me get this straight. Now that people are calling out Prime Minister Gropy Blackface and saying that he should quarantine in a hotel like the rest of us plebes. Ah, now suddenly, well, maybe, maybe we have to rethink this. Maybe if you've received two jabs, you don't have to quarantine in a hotel. Don't you find the timing a little suspicious? No, no, that's being incredibly cynical on my part. All right. Uh, so yesterday, obviously a sad day. It was a day to mourn the four members of the FSL family who were killed Sunday night in London, Ontario, run down by a 20-year-old man in a pickup truck as they went out for an evening stroll. Uh, but today, I think there are some legitimate questions to be asked. Thousands of uh, people attended a vigil for the family last night, and I think that was appropriate. Except, except we're supposed to be in a pandemic. And we're still not allowed to gather for funerals. So are we in a pandemic or aren't we? And I think there are a whole lot of people very upset by this, not upset with the people who went to mourn the Abzal family, upset that politicians decided this event was exempt for their purposes so they could go and speak and grandstand while the rest of us who've lost people over the last eight, 15 months, we haven't been able to say a proper goodbye. So either we're in a pandemic or we're not. And this just demonstrates, again, our feckless leaders are just making things up as they go along. I was looking at the, the face of the accused, Nathaniel Veltman, this 20-year-old, again, accused of running this family down. And I don't know what I was expecting to see. 
I didn't see an angry or twisted young man. Now, I, I don't know how long ago this picture was taken. He's, he's holding this fish he just caught. He looks gentle, normal. And we're hearing that a, a witness reported that Veltman was laughing as he was taken into custody. I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of this. I think, I think Lou raised some very good points yesterday. Uh, the police said it was planned and premeditated, but the prime minister and others were very, very quick, very quick to declare that this was an act of terrorism. And maybe, maybe it'll turn out to be the case, but it, it, it did seem rather rash. It was Lori Goldstein with The Sun today pointing out, you know, we've had cases where Muslim terrorists shouted Allah Akbar moments before going on a shooting or a stabbing spree. And yet lead, leaders were very cautious and hesitant to declare it an act of terror. So do we know for sure that the Abzal family were targeted specifically? Is it possible Veltman just wanted to run somebody over anybody Maybe it was motivated by hate. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe Veltman will turn out to be mentally ill. Maybe he was on some kind of antidepressant or psychoactive drug. Now, the police say. They said this very quickly, that they have evidence he was motivated by uh, hate towards the Muslim faith. And that may well turn out to be the case. We shall see. All right. So having said all that, we're going to try and lighten things up today at some point. A comedian, Glenn Foster, who's a very funny man, a true headliner, will be here in our feature guest slot. He has a uh, new video out called Unchecked. Looking forward to speaking with Glenn. Uh, independent journalist Kian Bextie, formerly of Rebel News and now host of the podcast Counter Signal, uh, we'll be here to discuss the federal government's plan to introduce some kind of biometric system to uh, ID vaccination status of Canadians and uh, foreigners crossing our border. A biometric system. Sounds rather ominous. A Wednesday, of course, we push back against climate change alarmism. And uh, there's an interesting video that surfaced of an Australian Senate hearing on climate change, where this Aussie senator confronts a climate scientist. And it appears that the, the temperature data was fudged in that country in order to exaggerate temperature changes. Right. In order to confirm this narrative of rapid temperature uh, changes in Australia and elsewhere. Tony Heller from RealClimateScience.com. Uh, will be here. Ben Eisen is with the Fraser Institute and the author of a new study which shows, well, what many of us have suspected for quite a while, and that is that Premier Doug Ford's provincial government is far more progressive and far less conservative than what we'd hoped for. When we voted, I guess we got kind of a pig in a poke. We were hoping for the best. We were hoping for a conservative government. And what we got instead well, according to the study, again, by Ben Eisen, we got pretty much the same thing as we did under the liberal Wynn and McGinty governments. Premier Doug Ford's fiscal plan 
is almost exactly the same as tax and spend win and McGinty. And uh, hydroxychloroquine is back in the news. Ah, yes, you thought we'd seen the last of that or heard the last of that. A new study suggests that hydroxy and azithromycin looks promising as a therapy. And of course, because former President Trump, bad orange man with the mean tweets, suggested the same, that hydroxy with azithromycin looked promising as a treatment, of course, of course, the lamestream media had to shoot that down. Well, turns out Trump may have been right about something else. He was very quick, of course, to suggest that uh, the virus escaped from the uh, Wuhan virology lab. Well, it looks like he nailed that one, too. So uh, we'll find out about this new study on hydroxychloroquine. Dr. Patrick Phillips will be here. He normally joins us on Monday, but he's uh, he's going to do double duty for us. Uh, all that plus news, not in the news. Fact check this. And of course, the irascible but lovable Lou. Hello, Lou. Hey, Richard. Great to be with you. And I'm Likewise. Interesting, uh, you know, that you were talking about some of the facts coming out of London, Ontario and the rush to judgment that we discussed uh, yesterday. And uh, there was a piece in the National Post today suggesting an interview. Somebody made a comment, a friend of the driver saying that he had been complaining about problems with his vehicle and the steering. That's one thing. And number two, that he was a participant in paintball activities, right? I don't know if right. you ever played paintball. Well, I, I've taken my boys to play paintball. So I know, you know, the, all the gear and the protective gear and so forth. So Right. And they had vests right. for that particular undertaking that would look to some, the uninitiated, like a, um, you know, armor uh, uh, shield, you know, uh, armor protection, right? Ballistic right. protection. I don't think it's that at all. So, you know, when I take a look at it, I say, you know, we need to have further and better particulars. Like I said yesterday, I'm not saying it's not a tragedy. I just don't know how they got to terrorism so quick when it took them so long to get to not that decision on the Danforth. So I'm going to leave that where that is. But no, I think you're absolutely right, Lou. I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, I guess I was more hesitant to to raise those questions yesterday because for me it was just a time to kind of you know mourn and and uh, but today you know now today there are other questions the other one was the idea that you know the government uh made an exception here and people were allowed to gather in the thousands at this vigil and i think you know i think we should all be allowed to gather wherever we want so uh again i'm not upset at the, at the mourners I'm glad that they went. I'm glad that they showed support. Uh, but, you know, what about the rest of us that have lost people uh, or f- family, friends? We haven't been able to say goodbye. And so, again, this just is an, yet another illustration that they're making this whole thing up as they go along. Well, there's that. And there's the ministers that, you know, have been fined and dragged off in cuffs uh, for holding religious services. Right. So there's that. Yes. I guess, you know, if you're part of the right religion, you can do whatever you want. And if you're not, well, then you're whipped and pilloried, right? So that's right. people And people are upset. People are upset. I'm seeing, I'm seeing it on social media all day. People are very upset. And uh, and I understand it. 
I totally understand it. I, and you, I, we can compartmentalize. We can feel, we can mourn for the Avzal family and, and, uh, and feel this, you know, horrible about what happened. But we can also at the same time be angry that the government, you know, makes an exception here. And, and as you say, is arresting Christian pastors uh, by the handful. Yeah. Right. In, in Alberta. It just and, makes no sense. Right. And there's, you know, it goes on and on. I just, you know, I'm just uh, I was trained in the scientific method, make observances, come up with a theory and then test the theory. Well, you know, the theory is pretty clear at this point. And, um, you know, it, it looks like, uh, you know, the clown circus is in full control of stupidity international. I, I think we should get to the German phrase of the day, though, because I can feel that hook around my throat. It's tightening. I, I can feel it. So <laughs> I'll tell, tell you what I'm going to do, Lou. I'm going to I'm going to save the German phrase of the day oh, okay. for next hour. And then we can just kind of savor it and enjoy it. OK, no sense in rushing it. No, no, no. It's like a fine wine, Lou. <laughs> Okay, well, you bring the Liebfraud Milch uh, in the next hour, and we'll be back then. Happy capitalism. Nicely done. Wow. Maybe I'll have him take over the German phrase of the day. <laughs> All right, my friend. Talk soon. Well, all right, because President Trump happened to mention that hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin look promising. Naturally, naturally, the lamestream media had to come out firmly against it. Now, a new study suggests this therapy at a higher dose improved survival by nearly 200% in ventilated COVID patients. Was the former president right again? Dr. Patrick Phillips is next. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. Treatment options have been limited in the ongoing coronavirus disease. Uh, early optimism regarding immunomodulatory drugs such as azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine seem to be undermined by results of large interventional trials. However, a fascinating new study posted to the MedRxiv preprint server, meaning not pre-reviewed or peer-reviewed, suggests that such disappointment may have been both premature and unwarranted based on a reanalysis of over 250 patients on evasive mechanical ventilation during the first, first two months of the pandemic. Using computational modeling, the use of weight-adjusted hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin appears to be associated with a more than 100% increase in survival without a clear correlation with ECG abnormalities. Here to discuss is our small town family physician and lover of freedom, Dr. Patrick Phillips. Hey, Patrick, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Richard? Well, thank you. So uh, this is a not peer reviewed, this study, uh, but mm -hmm. what do you make of it? Uh, the higher doses improved survival by nearly 200% in ventilated COVID patients. Yeah, so it, it's something that's hardly surprising uh, now, considering we have so much data that that has actually has proven the efficacy of both azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine. But what's what's really telling about this study, I find, is that it's a reanalysis of uh, patients like and the sickest of the sick patients at the very beginning of the pandemic. So this is something that was really missed when hydroxychloroquine was being discredited uh, because it was promoted by Trump, but. 
in this reanalysis, they look at 250 of, of sick, ventilated patients, p- patients who essentially are on death's door. And so they're the, the most difficult to help because they're on, on, that, uh, on the track of, of being unwell. But when they reanalyzed everything and they looked at, like you said, at the accumulated doses uh, of azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine, so if they looked at patients who got uh, greater than uh, three grams of uh, hydroxychloroquine and I believe it's two grams of uh, azithromycin, uh, they saw 50% of them survived compared to only 16% who only got one or the other. Uh, so that's that's huge, and for that to be missed in the original study is um, really such a huge missed opportunity for so many people who could have been been helped even that early on. Because we're talking February, March, right during the the peak of the first wave. Um, uh, it, it's an, another interesting part of this as well is uh, the fact that uh, we've known that obesity is a risk factor uh, for not doing well. Um, uh, so basically ending up either in the ICU or for uh, dying if you are in the ICU from COVID. And uh, I think uh, certainly insulin resistance is probably the major factor there. But another role that may be playing a part in this is uh, those people getting essentially lower doses by giving the same amount of the medication to somebody who weighs twice as much. Essentially, uh, this study is kind of supporting the fact that uh, they might actually be getting half the dose, so they might be being undertreated. Right. Uh, so those earlier, found, yeah. right? Sorry, those earlier yeah, reports ahead. that were saying that that no, it doesn't work, and we know from from the CDC, for example, up to eighty, mm-hmm. I think it was eighty five percent of COVID uh, patients uh, admitted to ICU were obese. So in other words, yeah. they were they tried hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin on them, but they didn't. They weren't weight adjusted dosages. Exactly. Yeah. That's why so, they failed. So this, yeah, exactly. That that's that's definitely a part of it. Uh, yeah, uh, especially for these uh, these patients who are are so unwell. Uh, this this is in contrast to other patients that we found with early outpatient treatment. It it did work on them, but I agree. In the beginning, the studies uh, did not look at weight adjusted doses, especially for the, these obese patients. Um, so it's. Uh, this, this should be guiding, I think, guiding uh, new practice uh, for these patients. And we, we need to really be looking um, at uh, azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine, again, as standard of care uh, in Canada. Because right now, uh, none of those are even being offered to patients right now. And I, I think that that's something that, in my mind, is unthinkable because... Uh, uh, some of the things that are happening as well in ICUs is that when somebody is labeled COVID, we all of a sudden discount the fact that there might also be a bacterial pneumonia going on at the same time. Uh, and so I wonder if, if some, some patients who are diagnosed as COVID might also have bacterial pneumonia, which you can get as a super infection. So the fact that uh, actually the guidelines are telling us that when somebody has COVID, we should not be giving them antibiotics. Not only is it not recommended, but we're told we're literally told not to give it. And I think that that's that's unthinkable. And I think that has has a a large part to do with what's going on with this survivability uh, when we give people azithromycin, because we're taking patients that previous to COVID, we would 100 percent of the time be giving antibiotics. But because they're labeled COVID and the guidelines say no, 
I, I wonder how many lives were lost from not giving antibiotics to these patients. Right. Well, this is, what, um, I guess, part of what you call yeah. the, or and others have called this therapeutic nihilism, uh, this unwillingness exactly. to provide any standard of care uh, rather than, uh, you know, other than a, a ventilator. Dr. Phillips, out of yeah. time, but always appreciate you coming on. I know you're very, very busy. Thank you so much for this. No problem. Go ahead. Take care. You can follow Dr. Patrick Phillips on Twitter at Dr. P underscore MD at Dr. P underscore MD. Fact check this on the other side. Stay with us. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serres Show. How do we determine what is true, what is false and what is misleading? Fact check this. So lately I've, I've noticed on social media an increasing number of videos being posted by particularly women, uh, teachers and parents, moms, fighting back, standing up to their local school boards in the United States, fighting back against indoctrination. I think the other day we played a, a, a clip from someone called yesterday, the fab mom, uh, who uh, was sort of instructing parents on, you know, the need to stand up, how to stand up, what to say and uh, expect blowback, but it's worth it. Well, here we have now a teacher, a teacher who's fed up with the indoctrination going on in her own school district, and she confronted her school board. Let's have a listen. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Fairfax County public school teacher, and I'm going to give a message of encouragement to parents and teachers and students who are too afraid to come and speak forward. Parents, the longer that you wait and you don't hold your child's schools accountable gives these guys more time to dictate what's best for your child's physical, mental, and emotional health. Don't be afraid to speak out for your kids because they are voiceless and they, and they rely on you. You should be afraid of them rooting for socialism by the time they get to middle school. Teachers, it may seem that our careers have come to a dead end, but I'm here to remind you, we don't work for the school board. We work to mold the next generation of well-rounded American patriots. So don't give up because it is up to us. Students, you are on the front lines of these indoctrination camps. Challenge the staff when you're presented with a ludicrous statement and do not allow anybody to tell you that you cannot accomplish anything because of your skin color or to hate yourself because of your skin color. Students, it is up to you to be the next generation of victims or victors. And finally, to the board, this isn't over and your policies are just as All right, there you hear they, they cut her mic basically, but uh, she exited to the, uh, the sound County of thunderous Public School teacher applause. All right, uh, I'm going to be playing more of those in the coming days and weeks because as I say, this is really starting to take off. And I told you, uh, 
you know, when I played the fab mom yesterday, how and she she really um, stated this quite nicely, eloquently, how important it is for 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 all of us to step forward and be heard, uh, whether it's attending a, a PTA meeting on on Zoom, as the case may be, and pushing back in a respectful way, obviously, but pushing back in a firm way, uh, because Although critical race theory is really sort of uh, taking off in the U.S. and uh, in corporations and in, in schools, maybe not so much here yet, uh, but it's insidious. And it is kind of surreptitiously wake, making its way into the schools, uh, maybe under another name. But just be mindful of it. Be watchful and speak out and, and don't fear that, uh, you know, uh, somehow your child will, will suffer because there'll be retribution. We, we have to rise up and speak out. All right. Now, this one is uh, from social media today. It's I don't know what to make of this woke individual. It's just what I call woke nonsense. And maybe you can help me and, and understand what this person is talking about. Let's have a listen. Guess what? My patience has run out. Pansexuality is not inherently biphobic. They are both valid sexualities. Both of them. And while, yes, I have seen pansexual people use that label for questionable reasons, they pretty quickly get it once you explain things to them. They do. And not only that, but do you know who likes to use specific or micro labels? Neurodivergent people. Sometimes we just have to do whatever we can to feel safe and comfortable. And using a more specific label can be our outlet for that. If you took all that energy you spend calling people biphobic and saying they're performing bi erasure and just educated them, there would be less biphobia. There would be less bi erasure because you've explained it and people will know the difference. I've had it with you guys. All right. She's had it with me. What is biphobic, bi erasure, uh, neuro aggressions. <laughs> I'm scrambling for my thesaurus here at this point. All right. Maybe we'll uh, we'll revisit that wonderful piece of audio. I wish I had a laugh track. Uh, anyway, we'll visit that with revisit that with uh, Lou next hour. All right. Um, you'd be forgiven if, like me, you voted for Doug Ford over two years ago, thinking you were voting for a conservative government, a fiscally conservative government. I think many of us now understand we were tricked. But it may be even worse than we imagined. A new study from the Fraser Institute finds Ford fiscal plan is as bad as the previous liberal governments of Kathleen Wynne and Dalton McGinty. That story's next. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Hey, Richard Serrett here, along with the wilderness doc, Cass Ingram. I keep hearing about how black seed oil is good for so many things, Cass. Tell me more. It's huge for the heart and also the digestion and elimination. Plus, the skin was Nefertiti's beauty secret. So then if you have skin conditions, use the black seed oil topically and internally. And for your heart, lungs, kidneys, digestive system, wonderful capsules are available with fennel and cumin. Check your local health food store or the oil. Just take a teaspoon every day. This is the same thing to take daily so you don't get sick so you keep your heart good and you stay strong in your digestive tract skin renal support 
and more. Freshly cold pressed black seed oil from North American Urban Spice available at fine health food stores across the GTA. Order online at oregano.com. That's O-R-E-G-A-N-O-L. 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 Cold pressed black seed oil from oregano.com. All right, welcome back. So during 15 years of the liberal government, provincial liberal liberal government under uh, Dalton McGuinty and Kathleen Wynne, uh, Ontario was turned into the world's largest sub-sovereign borrower, sub-sovereign meaning non-national government, leaving the provincial government uh, with the province saddled with a $338.5 billion debt. And so many of us who voted for Premier Doug Ford and the progressive conservatives were hoping that, uh, you know, he was going to change all that and return to a balanced budget. That's what he promised. That's what he campaigned on. So what happened? Well, even before the pandemic hit in 2020, going back to their first budget in 2019, they'd already abandoned that promise. This is all outlined in a, a study by author Ben Eisen of the Fraser Institute. The study is called the Ford government's physical policy or fiscal policy, rather. Fiscal policy uh, approach mirrors that of McGinty and Wynn. It was released yesterday, and uh, we're trying to get a hold of Ben Eisen with the Fraser Institute. Um, but basically, uh, this, this idea that uh, you know, they, they could grow their way out of our debt that was the, the same game plan that Wynn and McGinty had. It didn't work for them, and it's not working for the conservatives. They believe that reducing the growth rate of government spending, not, not cutting spending, just reducing the rate at which it grows, somehow spending below the growth rate of the economy would eventually balance the books. Does that sound familiar? It should. That's exactly Trudeau's theory on economics. The, the, the budget will balance itself. So that's what we expected, of course, uh, or that's not what we expected when we voted in Doug Ford, but that's exactly what we're getting. Just continuity, more of the same mess, the more the same as the same clown posse, if you will. All right. So perhaps we'll get to Ben Eisen on uh, at another time. Jody, if I could get you to tee up. The, uh, the, the, uh, the piece of audio from Australia. We have Tony Heller coming on next as we push back against climate change alarmism. This is an interesting uh, little piece of audio. So in the, uh, the Australian Senate, they had a committee hearing on climate change. And one of the senators seems to have discovered that the climate scientists there fudged the temperature data. Have a listen to this. Climate reports 2016 and 2018, and specifically to two graphs of Australian surface air temperatures, one in State of the Climate 2016 on page four, and the other in State of the Climate 2018 on page two. Are you familiar with those reports? I'm familiar with the reports, but I confess you know, I haven't committed those pages to memory. No, I can understand but that. I, I am familiar with the reports, yeah. One of our research scientists, in updating his records, compared your 2016 graph on page four and your 2018 graph on page two. He then obtained from the Bureau of Meteorology the actual temperatures used in producing those two graphs. He found the two graphs very different for the dates from 1910 to 2016. 
Yet surely the temperature data from 1910 to 2016 should be the same for both graphs, shouldn't they? I believe so, but again, I'd need to check exactly what you're referring to because they may. Uh, Dr. Stone has the report, I think, in front of him. Are you able to shed any light on this? I've got the more recent one. I'm sorry, and, and uh, like Dr. Yeah. Johnson, I haven't committed. I'm happy to, to take these. I'm happy. I think to it might be easier just to. Yeah, so yeah, we're comparing yeah. apples with apples, Senator, and so, uh, happy to answer. Your so let me get to the core point then. Mm -hmm. The only changes to produce the 2018 graph should have been, as we see it, the addition of data from 2017 to 2018 on top of the 2016 graph. Yet the actual data shows that in the 2018 graph, temperatures after about 1970, looking at the graph from your perspective, are inflated and progressively increased, and the temperatures before 1970 have been progressively decreased, with the effect of increasing the slope of the temperature graph, exaggerating the warming. So I'd like to know what is the reason on notice, what is the reason for this when temperatures of historical records end up, records up to and including 2016 should not have changed at all? let alone systematically changed one way after 1970 and the other way before 1970 to exaggerate the warming. I'd like to know that answer. I think we're happy to take that on notice okay. to make sure we're answering your question uh, accurately, Senator. 2024. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sounds like someone got busted. All right, we'll, uh, we'll talk with Tony Heller as we push back against climate change alarmism next. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. Wednesdays, of course, we push back against climate change alarmism. And just before the break, I played that clip from Australia. Senator in a climate um, Senate committee hearing was uh, grilling uh, a climate scientist about some discrepancies in the temperature data. And basically it was revealed that it, it, it looked as if it was fudged. And of course the scientist was, well, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, I'll, I'll have to get back to you a little bit like Jen Psaki, grandpa, Joe Biden's press secretary. I'll have to circle back. Uh, anyway, let's uh, discuss that and other matters with our um, ecologist, environmentalist, and uh, the founder of realclimatescience.com, Tony Heller. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm good, Richard. How about yourself? Very well. Uh, so I, uh, were you able to hear that audio? I, I sent you the clip. I don't know if you were able to hear it. Um, yeah, I think I watched it earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, Senator Roberts um, is a good friend of mine. Um, from Queensland, he, and he always asks really good questions and rarely gets, if ever, gets good answers. <laughs> right. So uh, I played it before the break. I'm, I'm not going to play it again, but just kind of explain, uh, if you could, what, what this discrepancy was. There were two graphs. They were, they were, they were. Uh, one was from like 1910 to 2016, and the other one was from 1910 to 2018. And somehow it looked as if the data uh, was changed slightly to make it look like the, temp the, the temperature curve uh, was rising at a steeper level. In other words, they were exaggerating the, the rise in temperatures. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, well, that's, um, they've, they've done that in Australia. Um, they've done it in New Zealand. They've done it in the United States. The, the, the way the data has been altered in the United States is Pretty amazing, but yeah, that's being done by government agencies around the world because they're all pushing the same agenda. But, but but what's really bad in Australia, though, isn't actually what's happened after 1910. It's the fact that the Bureau of Meteorology is hiding all the data before 1910. Um, Australia was much, was extremely hot. Um, 
prior to 1910. Um, the, the January 1896 was like the hottest month on record in Southeast Australia. And there were many other records that prior uh, prior to 1910, which the Bureau of Meteorology has hidden. Um, so they're they're doing all kinds of really bad things down under, just like they are in the in the northern hemisphere. That's interesting. I think they tried something up here very in a very similar fashion, or maybe they did. And uh, you're probably familiar with Dr. Timothy Ball, and I've I've talked to Timothy uh, many many times. And of course, he did a lot of his research based on the the old temperature data that was collected. I think from uh, the Hudson's Bay Company. He went into their records. And uh, the government up here has been trying to, to hide a lot of that that data as well, because, again, it doesn't fit the narrative. It's it's like the hockey stick in uh, in Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth. Right. He sort of ignored the warming, the medieval warming period. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tim Ball's a good friend of mine. Um, in fact, we did a, a speaking tour in Australia together uh, a few years ago. Uh, so. Yeah, five, I guess it was five years ago. Right, um, right. So, yeah, there, this nonsense is going on all over the world. I mean, if, if they didn't manipulate the data and hide data and tamper with data, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have any story because the actual thermometer data doesn't support climate alarmism. So would they do all kinds of dirty tricks to, um, to make it appear like there's a problem? But even when they get caught red-handed, as it appears the climate scientists did in this case in Australia, somehow they seem to wiggle and worm their way out of it, and nobody pays attention. Yeah, well, speaking of getting caught red-handed, um, I was just reading an article from the BBC. You remember the Climate Gate scandal? Yes, East Anglia, uh, East Anglia Institute. Yeah, yeah, all the, their emails. Um, were released that it might have been from a whistleblower, it might have been from a hacker, no one really knows. But the BBC is, is making a film about climate change where they're making out the, um, the, the villains to be the good guys. <laughs> and, of course, and the of course. Exposed, people who expose the fraud are the bad guys. So, yeah, they can get away with anything because the press um, will back them up on it. So, the, so most people and most you know, people people listen to your radio show hear a different point of view, but most people who just get their news from the mainstream media will never hear what's actually going on. They just hear the contrived narrative created by the press. Right, and those uh, those emails between scientists at the East Anglia Institute, which is kind of the foremost climate science, uh, I guess, institution. Uh, they revealed that they were they were they were uh, fudging the data. They admitted they were fudging the data and these email exchanges. And then they also talked about going after their critics, basically, uh, you know, find a way to, to destroy them and ruin their careers. And this came out and of, like once and this this came out, what, maybe 10 years ago. And once again, they wiggled and wormed their way. Yeah, it was a huge scandal. Um, you know, these people's careers should have been over, should have been ended. There should have, you know, the the press should have covered this in an objective way and, and made public made the public understand that we're dealing with a bunch of crooks. But instead, what they're doing is they're making the crooks out to be the good guys and the whistleblowers to be the bad guys, which is pretty much the story they do with everything these days at places like the BBC. 
So, you know, we, we've, right. we've got a pretty general general problem with the press that they're they're not they're working to misinform the public uh, to push agendas rather than to let people know what's actually going on. Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait 12 years. That's what AOC gave us right before the world ends. We'll just have to wait another dozen years, Tony, wait this out until all of these dire predictions, of course, don't come true. And then hopefully, hopefully at that point we can move on. But of course, then they'll create another climate emergency. Uh, who knows what it'll be? Well, in 2006, you know, Al Gore said the world was going to burn up in 10 years. And I don't think that happened. And they gave him the Nobel Prize for it. Um, so it didn't happen in 2016. I don't think it's going to happen in 2030. Uh, you know, people are living longer, better lives than at any point in history. And deaths from natural, all types of natural disasters, including weather disasters, are at an all-time record low now. So there's, there's no evidence to back up anything these people are saying. All right, Tony, we will uh, we'll chat again next week and continue to push back against climate change alarmism. Tony Heller, the founder of RealClimateScience.com. I really encourage you to visit uh, the website. Great articles, RealClimateScience.com. And check out his amazing videos at NewTube.com. Tony, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Richard. All right. Hour two awaits comedian Glenn Foster. And we'll talk about plans for a new biometrics agency to check your vaccine status right here in Kanakistan. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show. Hour to await. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Hey, Richard! Hello, yes. Can I help you? Richard! The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back to hour two of this transmission, this broadcasting extravaganza. Um... Ian Bexty, formerly of Rebel News, will be here. Now, this sounds rather ominous. He's uncovered something. I guess this is a procurement, uh, uh, government procurement document that he's uh, discovered. The federal government has ordered the creation of a biometrics authority for bi- uh, border control. Biometrics. Of- Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Authority for border control. Sounds like something out of, uh, what was that movie with Tom Cruise? Was that Gattaca or something? Uh, anyway, what, what does that mean exactly? 
So Kian Bexty, uh, host of Counter Signal, will be here to discuss that. And funny man, Glenn Foster, stand-up comedian, that Canadian guy, uh, will be here as well. In fact, I think at one point he was um, a host on this very radio station. So it'll be a, a high school reunion, a homecoming for Glenn Foster. Uh, he's our feature guest. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, we've got this. News not in the news. The news. All right, Lou. Uh, we didn't do our German phrase of the day first hour. So shall we are make you, that first? Are, first are you in, in good form to do it? I'm hearing, uh, is your voice okay? A little verklempt. <clears throat> there you go. How's uh, that? All right. <laughs> you should look at your liquids. What are you drinking? I'm seeing some dark colored stuff on that. Is that any good? Yes, it's uh, it's just a typical lemon water with a little Kool-Aid. Uh, Kool-Aid? Well, What's it's going it's on. Not, <laughs> I drank. I took the Kool-Aid, Lou, a long time ago. I drank the Kool-Aid. It's uh, uh, no calories in the Kool-Aid. It's uh, sugar free. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. OK, so let's get to the German uh, phrase of the day before you lose your voice, your All instrument. Right. My instrument, indeed. All right, let's go. The German phrase of the day. All right, here we go. Komm schon, spring über deinen Schatten. Komm schon, spring über deinen Schatten. That's a mouthful. It, yes, and a half. How was that? Not bad, eh? Well, you know, I hear the schaden, and I'm a little worried about what's coming out. Not to fear, my friend. The literal translation is, come on, jump over your shadow. Come on, jump over your shadow, Lou. The, hop. <laughs> the meaning is, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your oh, comfort no. zone. Oh, no. No, Lou's I not going like, to I like my comfort zone. Right. I worked hard for this comfort zone. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to try new things. No. No, not no, this time. I mean, you know, it's like Jeff Bezos is going to go onto one of his aircraft and go into space. Oh, have you seen that rocket? I that, have. That phallic symbol? Why? My word. Are you, are you thinking of Elon Musk and his uh, silo? No, no, no. I was looking at, at the rocket that Bezos is going up with, okay. and it looks exactly like the one from uh, Dr. Evil in, uh, in, Austin, in Austin Powers. Okay, I'll have to spend a little bit more time. I thought it was more uh, uh, like an aircraft, but I'll spend more time with it. But anyway, my point is, here's a guy with bags of dough on tops of bags of dough. If I had that kind of freight, my friend, Anything that implied any kind of risk to my life would get a zero response. Really? I could stay here on Earth in my comfort zone and throw cash around like I was going out of style. Why do I you know, need that experience? Right. Right. Or as I mentioned yesterday, he could just sit on his pile of cash and he could <laughs> be halfway to the moon already. He'd be close, I'll tell you that. Although the mass, you know, it would have to be like a pyramid, right? Right, right. Well, it's the same. All these rich guys that want to get into space, right? Uh, Branson from uh, Virgin, mm -hmm. same thing, right? He's got a program to get to uh, into outer space. And you've got uh, Elon Musk. He wants to go in. What is it with rich guys in outer space? Well, they want to colonize it and create, you know, vacation heavens in space, right? You know, I mean, I think I saw... Uh, the freight to get on to uh, Bezos's ride is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.3 million. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a lot uh, lower than what uh, guy, I think it was Guy La Liberté from uh, Cirque du Soleil. He paid $20 million to get on the Russian ride, right? That was 10 years ago anyway. Right, right. Holy so, smokes. You know, the price that's is coming a dear. down. Price it is, is coming down. <laughs> it is. That's, yeah. uh, that's uh, yeah, that's economy. The uh, three million dollar <laughs> ticket. You're flying economy, right? You got to sit next to the bulkhead, and you got to you got to be able to operate the emergency exit. I think you got to learn how to uh, operate the waste elimination uh, system. Okay, because yeah. it ain't going to be a throne. I can guarantee you. Right, right. Yes. Except when they come around with a beverage cart, you know, you get to drink <laughs> drink your own urine. Is that, <laughs> is yeah. that how that works? They filter oh, your God. own urine and you drink your yeah. Oh, yeah, yum yeah. yum. Well, that came right out of Dune, right? <laughs> yes. With the with the suit, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you recycle your own pee. Well, hey, guess. Gandhi did it. Why not? Hey, but he didn't have the benefit of weightlessness, right? No, he did not. He didn't weigh a lot, but it wasn't exactly weightlessness. That's right. Okay, uh, so. Uh, in the last hour, I heard you uh, invoke my name. You wanted to talk about oh, something? Yes, I got to play this clip for you. This All is right. what I call woke nonsense. I'm going to start uh, I'm compiling these and maybe put out a greatest hits. I found this on social media on Twitter. Someone posted this. You know, these uh, these woke, uh, uh, I don't know what you call young people anyway, just with, she had can multiple. Can we just call them stooges? Yes, we're I like old that. Enough. We Woke stooges. All right. Stooges. So this person had multiple piercings, multiple tattoos, and she's going off. Um, I don't know what she's saying, but you have a listen, and maybe you can help me decipher this. Let's have a listen to uh, to that. Do you have Guess that? Guess what? Right. My patience has run out. Pansexuality is not inherently biphobic. They are both valid sexualities. Both of them. And while, yes, I have seen pansexual people use that label for questionable reasons, they pretty quickly get it once you explain things to them. They do. And not only that, but do you know who likes to use specific or micro labels? Neurodivergent people. Sometimes we just have to do whatever we can to feel safe and comfortable. And using a more specific label can be our outlet for that. If you took all that energy you spend calling people biphobic and saying they're performing bi erasure and just educated them, there would be less biphobia. There would be less bi erasure because you've explained it and people will know the difference. I've had it with you guys. All right. She's had it with us, guys, Lou, because okay. uh, I just want I, I, I just a definition when she says biphobic. Is she talking about uh, um, bisexual? Perhaps. That's, talk- it, that's Yeah, as near as I can tell. That's the only thing I understood. That's the only thing I understood. But I didn't know that was a thing, biphobic. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, you know. By erasure. By erasure. And- you see, I thought, I thought she was just discla- uh, you know, declaring that um, you know, she was uh, bipolar. Well, it could be yeah. that, too. could She's be like, that, too. Biphobic, bipolar, bisexual. Hard to tell these days. And what's, pansexual? What's, what's, what's pansexual? Uh, that's just, I guess, that goes across the, uh, the, the spectrum. I'm going to have to look right? that up. It's just total I, fluidity, I guess. I don't know. We're just a couple of dinosaurs, Lou. But I, it's like I, need a, uh, I, need, uh, I needed my thesaurus there just to follow that stream of consciousness. 
it was that conscious? I thought maybe she was medicated. <laughs> well, there could be that. Yes, yes. Body erasure. Uh, what was some of the other um, neuroaggressions? Is anything like a microaggression? I don't know. She needs a macroaggression is what she needs. I mean, yeah, how about a course in communications, right? Like, you know, maybe we should, you know, induce her into a communications course so that, you know, she can get her point across so that even people like us can understand. Right, right. Or, you know, maybe she'd expend her energy, pour herself into something a little more meaningful uh, and fulfilling, like reading a book. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe she could have somebody read a book to her and then she'd get it. Exactly, exactly. I want to hear this. I want you to play this as well. Hey, Jody, that uh, that teacher that went off on her school board in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, can we play that too? I, 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 want, I want you to hear this. This is very inspiring. Have a listen. Okay. Fairfax Who's County that? Public School teacher, and I'm going to give a message of encouragement to parents and teachers and students who are too afraid to come and speak forward. Parents, the longer that you wait and you don't hold your child's schools accountable gives these guys more time to dictate what's best for your child's physical, mental, and emotional health. Don't be afraid to speak out for your kids because they are voiceless and they, and they rely on you. You should be afraid of them rooting for socialism by the time they get to middle school. Teachers, it may seem that our careers have come to a dead end, but I'm here to remind you, we don't work for the school board. We work to mold the next generation of well-rounded American patriots. So don't give up because it is up to us. Students, you are on the front lines of these indoctrination camps. Challenge the staff when you're presented with a ludicrous statement and do not allow anybody to tell you that you cannot accomplish anything because of your skin color or to hate yourself because of your skin color. Students, it is up to you to be the next generation of victims or victors. And finally, to the board, this isn't over and your policies are just as... Here she gets cut off. Nick Gossard, all of yeah, she got cut off. Anyway, I'm, I'm finding uh, I'm seeing a lot of this now uh, on social media. More and Fairfax more County Public teachers, School teacher. And I'm more te- more teachers, more parents standing up to school boards saying, you know, I'm watching you. You know, we got our eyes on you. You're not going to get away with this nonsense. It's it's oh, it's the moms, angry moms. God bless them. And in this case, a female teacher. Where are the dads? Where are the men standing up to these school boards? But anyway, I'm, I'm very encouraged by this. Well, I'm not against it. My sister actually taught in Fairfax County, Virginia. And, you know, she spent most of her time pushing back against the administration. She was in special ed. And if you know anything about, you know, what the trials and tribulations of families with special needs children, you need somebody to be an advocate for your child. And I'm not just talking about the parents. You need somebody inside that knows what's supposed to be delivered for that child and demanding that it be done unless, you know, you want to drag the school and the school board into court. My sister was a tough fighter for the rights of her students and the outcomes for her uh, her, her families. And, you know, I'm not surprised that people from that jurisdiction are saying enough is enough. And, you know, when you think about the diversion of resources, so now we're not teaching the, you know, the three R's anymore. Now we've got something else. Oh, oh, ah, ah. There goes the hook. She's got him. She's got the hook into him. She's reeling him in. <laughs> All right. We'll talk tomorrow. There he goes. Lou Skeezus, the irascible but lovable one. All right. When we come back, what is this a biometric agency all about? 
uh, we'll uh, discuss with Kian Bexty, the host of Counter Signal on the other side. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Ah, the travails. Ah, the travails of uh, live radio. So uh, Brandon lost the keys to the uh, traffic helicopter momentarily. And uh, Jody is being lovingly mauled by a 60-pound husky. Uh, now she's having to wipe the slobber off. <laughs> All right. So, however, we, uh, we soldier on. So it looks like Justin Trudeau's government is uh, moving forward with a rather ominous and sinister-sounding plan uh, to biometrically identify the vaccination status of Canadians and foreigners who are trying to enter Canada. Kian Bexty is the host of the podcast Counter Signal, and he joins me now. Hey, Kian, welcome. How are you? It's Kian on mute. I'm here. Oh, there we are. Hey, Kian, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. So was this a procurement document that you discovered, this biometrics authority um, that they're looking at launching? Yeah, uh, they're they're looking for any sort of global organization, whatever that means. Um, that was a direct quote from this procurement document that says uh, they want this global organization to be able to provide a, a roadmap and tools to help the federal government at the border, uh, specifically the Canadian Border Services Agency, so that they can use biometrics to identify who people are and potentially whether they've been vaccinated or not. In the news today, um, that just came out, Justin Trudeau's government, and Patty Hadju, the Minister of Health, has said that they actually plan to relax quarantine restrictions to people uh, who are who are fully vaccinated and have been for 14 days, which which goes which sort of supports this theory that they are preparing uh, to be able to identify people at the airport whether they need to quarantine or not based off of a back end system that they've connected to people's biometric data, which is really concerning for obvious reasons. Right. So this is almost like uh, this would be what, like an enhanced vaccine passport? Yeah, this is like everyone's worst nightmare. It's like a futuristic East Germany where they'll be able to use biometric data, which biometrics is basically anything biological that can help identify an individual, be it a retina scan or a fingerprint. Fingerprints are most likely the option because they have a lot of those tools already uh, that will be able to sort of send a key to a back-end system where they've presumably gotten data from the provinces to uh, be able to identify who is and who is not allowed to go back to their homes. Um, we don't know if they're going to continue their hotel quarantine policy, uh, their COVID jail policy or not, but the uh, border agents will will have the tools um, within just a few weeks here to be able to tell an individual who returns to Canada whether they are going to be subject to uh these these quarantine measures or if Justin Trudeau is going to be granting them their freedom if they've been fully compliant with the government's expectation of them to be vaccinated. So I'm not exactly sure how these uh, biometrics work, uh, Kian. So would I have to would Canadians have to surrender some sort of biological material? I don't know, saliva or DNA in order uh, for these biometrics, uh, you know, in order for us to be identified, our vaccination status, that is? Yeah, well, that, that would be truly horrifying if they were using DNA biometrics, which uh, isn't, you know, that's something that 
could conceivably happen. That is a form of biometrics. They're not clear in this procurement document what sort of biometrics they're looking at. For example, right now, with if you have a Nexus Pass or global entry with the United States, um, you you would voluntarily give them your fingerprint data um, so that they could be sure that it's it's actually you who's at LAX trying to get into the United States. Um, the, it seems like Canada is moving in a similar direction. I would assume it would be fingerprints, but if it was DNA, um, that's that's truly tr- one of the abilities that we would see through this pandemic. And and actually, really, this is something that people, Canadians, and everyone needs to be vil- uh, vigilant about. Uh, needs needs to be aware of uh, going forward as we supposedly leave this pandemic that the government doesn't continue holding on to these uh, powers that they've assumed and and Canadians have sort of volunteered away or been at least complacent at least uh, into giving the federal government. The federal government doesn't need to be acting on some sort of these emergency KPA Lawyers is one of Peel Region. Oops, sorry about that. We just fired off a commercial there. No, no, no worries. Well, yeah, you're right. This sounds like our worst nightmare. But again, if they're checking your vaccination status, uh, it would seem as if they would need something more substantial than a fingerprint, like even maybe even, I don't know, blood. Yeah, uh, you know, that's it's not outside the realm of, of what I would expect of Justin Trudeau. Um, he's gone full uh, communist China in trying to emulate the Chinese regime. Uh, throughout this pandemic, every day it seems we get closer and closer to China, the country that he idolizes so much. Um, and and you know if 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 that was something that was to happen in uh, a couple months' time, I I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised. Oh, this is really scary, uh, Kian. Great work uncovering this, bringing this to our attention. How do we uh, listen and subscribe to your fabulous podcast, Counter Signal? Yeah, that you can go to thecountersignal.com. Uh, we have uh, some really interesting stuff coming up, both on the podcast and on our uh, news feed. Uh, we're actually interviewing Blair White, the uh, controversial transgender activist in the United States, about a whole bunch of things that are going on in music videos that have been coming out uh, in, in the sort of conservative counterculture that have has, has developed throughout this pandemic. So there's lots to lots to see and listen to at thecountersignal.com. Right. She's uh, featured in this new Tom McDonald uh, video yeah. that has just gone viral in the last four or five days. Uh, all right. Great work, Ian. And uh, I hope we can talk again soon. Be well. Thanks so much. You as well. Ian Bexty, counter signal. All right. When we come back, comedian Glenn Foster, that Canadian guy. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. So we're going into the lockdown again. At a point, are we just not locked up? <laughs> I mean, really, it's a fine line, isn't it? I'm just waiting for the knock on the door. Good day, sir. We're with the government. We're here to adjust your doors so they lock from the outside. <laughs> there you go. Glenn Foster has been one of the top headliners in Canada for over three decades. He didn't just work the road. He's one of the guys who helped to build it. Glenn appeared in his first one-hour comedy special, That Canadian Guy, in 2000. And since then, the moniker has stuck. Many of his fans don't even know his actual name. But they do know one thing. That Canadian Guy is one of the funniest comedians anywhere. I wholeheartedly agree. Glenn, what a pleasure to have you on the program. How are you? It's been a long time. 
It has been a really long time. I was trying to think how long and... and Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. I don't think I want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I was uh, getting water for that other guy or coffee or something and uh, would, you know, produce and, and bring you on the program many, many times. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Correct. Correct. So you've got a new uh, a new uh, video out unchecked. It's actually uh, it's an, it's just audio. Just audio. All there, right. There is video, but it's just stuff that was shot recording the audio. So it's it's just a it's just a it's a CD, but there's no CD. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Whatever happened to CDs? Exactly. Well, well, How do no, you do that now? Do you, you just release an MP3? Or? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody wants anything physical anymore, right? Right. It's all out there in the ether. It's all out there in the ether. Exactly. Um, the, the only difference is when you're doing a live show, remember those? Yes. Um, uh, people might want to pick up a souvenir, right? So that's right. the only time you can really sell a physical CD, Right, because it's something you could sign the cover of or or something like that. But right, right. Um, even the last CD I did before this one, um, I didn't I didn't end up printing any physical CDs. You know, so I guess I'd have to get you to autograph my thumb drive. Is that something how it works? Like that. Well, what I was doing, what I did on the last one, I might do it on this one too. But there's been no live show, so it really hasn't made any difference. But right, um, I made a postcard that uh, actually um, had the cover in it. So it was like a four by six postcard where you could cut the cover out. Right. Ah, so right, right. one really wanted a physical CD, they could burn their own and then they'd have the cover. Right. 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 So the joke I was doing in the show, I would say towards the end of the show, I'd say, boy, you guys have been a really good crowd. And I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to give everyone in this room a free copy of the cover. Of my new- <laughs> as an added bonus. That's an added yes. bonus. Right. So uh, you must, it must be very difficult. Uh, you know, Canadian uh, comedians and musicians who, who live on the road, and you have put a lot of miles uh, on the road over the, over these last three decades. Uh, like, how do you, how do you uh, prevent yourself from just climbing the walls or have you been climbing the walls? Well, I've been climbing the walls for the last 15 months or so. And by the way, uh, it's like four decades at this point. Uh, so I guess I've given you old information, but, uh, yeah, so this sometime in, I don't know exactly when, but sometime in 2020 would have been my, uh, 40th anniversary of, of the first time I stepped onto a comedy stage. I, I don't know exactly when, but, uh, sometime in 2020. And, uh, of course, the problem of course with 2020 and 2021 is like, you know, the sports record books, we're going to have to put a little asterisk in the column because really can you count these years at all in terms of certainly not for live performance i mean i've done right i mean you know things have been 
un- unlocked uh, from time to time. But most live performance, entertainment venues, comedy clubs, everything has been shut down the whole time. And in those few times where they were open over the last 15 months, I do the odd show here or there. But I, you know, other than Zoom shows, I've done a few of these uh, Zoom type shows, uh, which are fairly awful. Um, I haven't been on a stage for any appreciable amount of time in, in about 15 months. There's going to be a lot of really rusty. It's going to be a lot of people with notebooks on stage. Right. <laughs> Here is joke number one. That's right. Yeah. Okay. We're going to yeah. take a time out. Uh, Glenn Foster is with us. What a delight. Uh, one of the most prolific uh, comedians in the country. And we'll uh, we'll come back and discuss uh, lockdowns and washing your hands and, and much more. And uh, of course, uh, the new, what do we even call it? We don't call it a comedy album. Yeah, uh, we do actually. We do? Okay, comedy great. Album. Yeah. All right, unchecked. Yeah. Glenn Foster stays with us. Back with more in a moment. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Look at the way they handled the flu. The government handled the flu. Which is, the flu is coming. What should we do? But wash your hands. That's all we got. We're government. Wash your hands. Visit our website. Learn to wash your hands in French. It's important. Wash your hands and lab your hands. Wash your hands. That's the cure for everything now. Eh? Wash your hands, me. Flu can't get me. <laughs> I guess the OCD people feel a little better about themselves. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. There you go, Glenn Foster. Uh, you you must be making hay out of this a lot. Of, I mean, it's tragic, obviously, what's happening and the, with the uh, the lockdowns and so forth. But so much comedy gold there. You must just be like writing like a like a fiend these days. Oh, well, yes and no. I mean, I, I was I was a lot more productive at the beginning of the pandemic. But now I think like everybody else, it's just like, OK, can we get this over with and get back to <laughs> get back to life type thing? But yeah, a ton of stuff about about the pandemic and, and uh, interesting that material, which would have worked for the pandemic, is a few years old. But it is, you know, kind of like a glimpse into the future without knowing it. You know, right, right. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. Here yeah. we go again. We've seen this movie before. Uh, I'm, what I'm hopeful is, you know, when we finally bust out of this nonsense, there's going to be so much pent up demand uh, because I, Glenn, people like you, you've been pushing back against political correctness for a long time. It's one of the things I love about w- what you do. And um, I don't do you, do you sense that that there is this like. Uh, conservatism and, and pushing back is becoming the new counterculture. We're just starting to see yes, uh, a little little bits of it. Like, and you're right. And I've, I've been pushing back at it for, for quite a while. And, and I can look back at, at stuff that I did like 20 years ago and say, you know, that was that was politically incorrect. But somehow it it was, you know, not the the huge outcry that there would be now if you did the same material type thing, you know, just. Just doing an accent on stage can get you in hot water, you know, right, doing, right. say, a Chinese accent or something like that, you know, which used to be, you know, you, know, you would do if you're doing a, you know, an impression type thing of someone who was Chinese, you kind of have to do a Chinese. So now right. to get around that, what I tell people is I'm doing a Chinese government 
accent and that's <laughs> yes that's that's fine <laughs> and he's communist so that's right that's right <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah it's one thing if you're russell peters you can uh, uh oh yeah uh, russell peterson can do that but um there's, there's Pe- a whole lot of material on this that's so unchecked uh, it, it refers to a few things, actually. Uh, for the, the first thing, and I'm a bit of a word nerd, so if I can get a double meaning out of something, uh, that's great. But a triple meaning is like a little word, word nerd orgasm, really. Uh, but if you look you at an example, cover, if you look at the cover, right, mm-hmm. um, you'll see that it's it's basically a bunch of check boxes, right? Yes. And and uh, so unchecked is basically things I haven't done. And, and, and a lot of the album is about sort of the chaos of my day-to-day life. And basically, I say, I have a to-do list with no check marks. And, <laughs> yeah. and basically, you know, if I, if, I, if I wake up with 100 things to do, I go to bed with 200 things to do. <laughs> so Unchecked partially is about that and the chaos of my, of my uh, daily life. Uh, and, and even this album, man, I mean, I procrastinated forever on this. It, it was... Uh, I've sort of been recording it in one form or another for about three years, uh, but the the bulk of the recording was done just before the pandemic hit in January of 2020, uh, and I still procrastinated from there. And and, uh, and and the last bit of procrastination, though, I'm happy to say, was not my fault. Uh, it just so happened that uh, I was going to put put it out for Christmas, and around the same time, I connected with a friend of mine who connected me with uh, 800 pound gorilla records which is a huge comedy label out of the states right and uh they really liked it could couldn't do anything with it right away so we basically waited till may to to uh put it out it actually came out on may 25th right after the may 2-4 weekend how canadian is that wonderful Uh, yes maybe maybe our last they're gonna cancel her too i think well yeah maybe who knows right uh anyway so the other thing about the other meaning of unchecked is Boxes I don't check. Right? Ah, yes, yes. BIPOC, non-binary, uh, LB, LGBTQ, um, the, the whole, you know, all the, the the boxes that I don't check. And the third meaning is is unchecked, like no holding back. Right. 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 So it's a great, great name, kind of a, great kind title. Of theme, kind of a theme throughout type thing. And a lot of the material, a lot of the material is what you're talking about. It's 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 kind of pushback. It's a, it's not so much pushback as more of a commentary on 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 what can I say? Like you know, one of the jokes is, "Hey, hey, I'm white. What can I say?" No, seriously, <laughs> I'm white. What can I say? <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll take a quick time. I'll come back. Uh, a few minutes remain with. Stand-up comedian Glenn Foster and the new comedy album Unchecked, and we'll tell you how to get one. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. That Canadian guy, Glenn Foster, is with us, and his uh, fourth comedy album is Unchecked and went into worldwide release May 25th. Glenn, how do we get a copy? You can go to my website, thatcanadianguy.com. There's a kind of a master link there for like all the different, you know, iTunes or uh, anywhere you can, you know, normally get any kind of downloaded content. So I think Spotify is listed. And uh, anyway, go to my website, thatcanadianguy.com, and you will you will find it eventually. There's also samples on the website, so you don't have to, you know, if you if you just want to sample a few, uh, it's there as well. And also Excellent. the new. 
the, the new T-shirt is there as well. So, Oh, My Canada Includes? No, that's oh. ancient news. I haven't sold one of those in years. Um, here. I'm, do you have video there? No, yeah. I, I've got, I'm up on the website. And let me just click on. Oh, you're up on the website. Oh, the anti-woke tees. Yes. The anti-woke tees. I yes. love it. <laughs> if it ain't woke, don't fix it. Love it. Love it. Exactly. Exactly. Which uh, you can see there's a little image there of, uh, of the back end of a skunk um, who has no name, that skunk. All cartoon skunks look the same. So if you were thinking of legal action. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Happy Le Pew is, uh, is no more. Um, I got, speaking of, you know, wokeism and political correctness, you know, that, I don't know to what extent. Did you play a lot of colleges and universities back in, in the day? Because that's all pretty well gone, isn't it? Uh, I, I hadn't I haven't played a college in at least 30 years. I bet. Wow. You know, that, I mean, I played them when I was starting out and, and when I was younger type thing. But um, no, it's just something that uh, it's it's more a big thing in the in the in the states, right? Right. Um, college tours and that sort of thing. I never really did a lot of them, really. I, I remember, you know, Jerry Seinfeld talking about how oh, yeah, yeah, political yeah. correctness had killed that whole, you know, the the college university circuit. And so, when, like, when we get, you know, back to normal or whatever that means, and or even before uh, COVID, were you getting sort of that? age that that cohort showing up and and uh or what's your audience like now uh well the audience for comedy uh hasn't changed a whole lot that, that's the thing of it you get older they stay about the same age right right i mean if 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 you're famous and i won't say i am by any stretch of the imagination but if you're famous you can kind of pull your audience with you you know, they they come to wherever you're going to be and you can have a you can have shows for as long as people want to come and see you. Right. Uh, but if if not, then you've got to entertain who shows up and who shows up to comedy clubs is generally, you know, that coveted 18 to 35 uh, demographic and uh, generally skews younger than that for comedy, because a lot of comedy, you know, open mic comedy, club comedy, it, it's you know, it's like a late night thing. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, I'm sure. I mean, there's there's the Saturday early show, which is kind of like the the more mixed uh, crowd type thing. But you get into those later shows, and and you know, I mean, they're they're midweek shows at at, at eleven o'clock at night. Who can go to those shows? <laughs> right, right, right. So it's it's that's why it always it always skews younger. And and uh, even for myself, even you know, um, I always feel that. Uh, people going to any, any form of entertainment, any form of entertainment, uh, even if, and again, it, it, it's the exception is if you're famous, because if that, that changes everything. But if, if you're just going to see a comedy show, you want to see someone on stage, I think, or any form of entertainment who is like plus or minus 10 years your age. Okay. Interesting. So, so anything out of that is like, oh, that guy's old. Right, right. <laughs> So my little my 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 joke and it's on the album too. But uh, one of the jokes I I do on stage is I'll say, "So who's actually seen me before?" And there might be a smattering of applause, you know, for people who have, but it's never huge numbers. Uh, and then I'll say, uh, "Okay, so I'm old and new <laughs> at the same time." So when we get back to normal, how do you think is comedy going to change at all? I mean. In, well, in it, terms of what the audience is expecting? 
first of all, the few shows that I have done during the pandemic under glass, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, so they in, in the comedy clubs when they were open, they've got and they and they will be, you know, at, when they reopen again, they'll they'll have these uh, plexiglass. So they have plexiglass uh, screens on stage. Right. Right. Uh, to uh, allegedly separate you from the audience. It's just such a weird thing. I mean, you know, the rules are so stupid and arbitrary. Most of yeah. the time, this masking anyway. Uh, so basically, I have to wear the mask from the green room to the stage. So walking through the club to the stage, must wear the mask. As soon as I'm behind the plexiglass, then I can take the mask off. But it's <laughs> yeah. not like it's a hermetically sealed plexiglass box. Right. It's sheets of plexiglass. Air is circulating around underneath, <laughs> over top, right? So. Right. It's a, I was even saying when, when when I was doing these shows and, and prior to having any vaccinations, I was like, you know, I am risking my life <laughs> here. I just turned 60. I'm risking my life to entertain you people. So that's right. You're in the kill zone here. <laughs> exactly. And, and so, yeah. So just and then, of course, before you leave the stage, you have to put the mask back on. And again, arbitrary and stupid. Here's one you probably haven't thought of. If you don't have a mask and you need to buy a mask, you can't go into the store selling masks without a mask. You're stuck. Like some punk kid outside the liquor store. Hey, hey, buddy, if you're going in there, could you could you get something for me, too? Because that's it. That's it. You're stuck. Uh, So. Tell people how, again, how we can get uh, unchecked, how, how we can get a copy. You can go to thatcanadianguy.com, and there's a few samples there that you can uh, watch, actually. It's video that was shot during the recording. So it, there wasn't enough video shot to make an actual you know, video special out of this. We just did it as kind of a fail-safe, have an extra mic type thing. But there's video there, which is the same material that's on the album. There's a few samples there. And there's links to all the download sites. Uh, there's like a master link that that uh, goes to 800-pound uh, gorilla, and they've got all the different uh, streaming sites. And some of them don't even apply in Canada, but I think Spotify does. And, uh, of course, you can get it on iTunes and all the usual places you usually download things from. Right, right. You know, I know when, you know, with the, the advent of HBO and these things, uh, comedy clubs went through a bit of a difficult time. And prior to that, they were just, you know, on every every corner, practically. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm hoping that that happens again now because there's going to be so much pent up demand, you know. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you anticipate well, that might not, happen? No, of course, there's pent up demand, but there's also the fact that the, they have to, uh, you know, severely limit their crowd, you know, the social distancing and everything else. Uh, so, you know, in a club that would normally hold 100 people, you can only put 25 in, right? Right, right. But I have noticed this. I have noticed this, and I was trying to get to this earlier. In the few shows that I have done during the lockdown, when the clubs were actually open from time to time, the people who come out to those shows really want to see comedy. I right, mean, right. they're as good as a 100-person audience. 25 people that really want to be there is as good as 100, you know? Fantastic. Well, can't wait. Can't wait to get back into a comedy club. That's something the mighty Aphrodite, excuse me, the mighty Aphrodite and I uh, really enjoy on our few date nights is to go to a comedy club and uh, hope to see you perform again soon. Glenn, thank you so much for this. It's great seeing you again. Yeah. Good to see you too. My pleasure. Unchecked again, that Canadian guy.com. Right. You got it. All right. Glenn Foster. Thank you so much. 
All right, that's it for me. Thanks to Jody and Brandon. Back tomorrow with the irascible but lovable Lou, the German phrase of the day, news not in the news, singer-songwriter Brad Skistemas, uh, a.k.a. Five Times August, will be here with his brand new so- uh, song, uh, also poking fun at wokeism. The Brian Crombie Hour is next until tomorrow at four. Don't be late. I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. it that's all for more richard serrett show podcasts blogs and other stuff go to saga 960am.ca stop talking past each other and start talking with each other we'll see you tomorrow afternoon at four on the richard serrett show on news talk saga 960am are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for african-americans Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.